This is the Lord's word. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew new and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And how, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and beside all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us? while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his word. I'd like to invite the children up for our children's message today. So if you're a child, um, 10 and under is a good age, please come and take a seat. Come on up, come on up for our children's message today. Do you know what day today is? What day is today? Easter. It's the day that we remember that Jesus rose again from the dead. Have you ever seen anyone come back to life? 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, the Bible. In the Bible, yes. In the Bible, we back. Okay. So Jesus was one time. He was he was crucified on the cross. He died on the cross. And then he was for three days. He was he was dead in the grave. And on the third day, God rose him from the dead. And Jesus walked amongst us. Do you know what that means when Jesus rose again from the dead? It means that Jesus went to battle with death. And guess who won? Jesus won. Jesus fought death. And Jesus won. So that's why Jesus came back to life. Now we know that the reason why we die is not because our bodies get old. That's one of the reasons. But the reason why our body we die is because we sin against God. Because death is not simply about having our bodies decay or go to the grave. Death is really about being apart from God. But when Jesus rose again from the dead, did Jesus make us closer to God or further from God? Closer to God. And so for all of us who believe in Jesus Christ, we know that we now know God very know God very well and we're very close to him. Okay? So let's celebrate today that we are now close to Jesus. Okay? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for these children, Lord God. And Father, may you impress upon their hearts the true meaning of the resurrection of Christ. That we are no longer your enemies. We are no longer set apart for you from you. But we are now, Lord, close to you and your friends. In Jesus' name we pray. World history changes your history. We live in a time right now in the United States where we have not seen many changes around us today. The world around us 30 years, 40 years ago is pretty much the same as it is today. Not many of us here can say that I know someone who went to war and who died. Not many of us could say, I remember the times of, of, of great turmoil in our lives where I had no food, where people were oppressing me, where I did not know my left to my right, that I was just trying to survive on instinct. Most of us here have been raised in families and places where we haven't really seen much change. The only thing we worried about was sort of, where am I going to go to high school? Where am I going to go to college? What kind of job am I going to have? Uh, who am I going to marry? What kind of kids, what are my kids going to be like? And all of these worries tend to be simply internal. Worries about what's going on with me and what's happening with me. And in fact, for many of us, we, we don't even want to follow the news. We don't want to follow what's going on with our neighbors. We don't want to follow what's going on in this world around us. Because if we think about world events, it could impinge upon my life and how I will live. If we think too deeply about the issues of race and gender and how it affects everyone, it could impinge too much on my life. 
if we think about how churches in countries all over the world are being persecuted, it could impinge too much upon my life. And so the natural tendency for the human heart, for the human person, is to shield oneself and to live life according to what we desire, our comforts, our pleasures. And oftentimes we see our imperfect, imperfect world and we let the little difficulties in our lives become big things in our lives. And so what happens is we, we sort of create difficulties. We create scenarios in order to sort of keep our minds and hearts busy with things. But we forget that there's a world that is moving. And we forget that history waits for no one. And as history plows through our lives, we have no choice but to acknowledge it. The good news of Jesus Christ is a message to us all. Christ has come, Christ has risen, Christ has come again. It's a call for all of us to realize that, that he will return. And that when he returns, all of history will come to an end. Philippians chapter 2 talks about the fact that one day every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And what's amazing about that passage is that that passage is talking about everyone. And so all of us can either kneel before the Lord willingly and gladly and joyfully knowing that he rescued me and saved me. Or we could be surprised and have to kneel before him unwillingly and be banished. History has a way of doing this, things like this. When conquerors would conquer, when the Roman Empire would go through all of Europe and conquer lands, it was a very simple choice for all the men. Bow before the emperor, join the army, or if you refuse to, you will bow and then you will die. History has a way when it comes to you face to face and it pinches upon your being that you have to make a choice. Our passage today shows that. In this passage, Jesus Christ is, has already risen from the dead. He's already appeared um, to, the, to the women and he comes alongside these two disciples who are on their road to Emmaus. 
and he strikes up a conversation. How gentle Jesus is. How gentle he is to just walk and talk with him. And Jesus says, so what's up? <laughs> Anything happened? Is there any news? What's going on nowadays? And they looked at him and said, how, how can you, being here in Jerusalem these days, and not know what happened? Something earth-shattering happened. There's this man named Jesus who, who came into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey, and we used, praise him, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest because we were hoping that he would become king. But the Pharisees and the scribes, they, they, they were able to get this judgment against him. And they crucified him on the cross. And when they crucified him, our hopes of getting, under, getting out underneath the yoke of the Roman Empire were gone. And now everyone's in mourning. But there are reports from these women that says that, that Jesus Christ is alive. They said they saw him. The disciples went and, and the tomb was empty. And we're trying to still figure out this event in history. One, what happened? And number two, how does it affect me? What does that have to do with me? And again, Jesus is gentle. Can you imagine being Jesus right now and say, hey, it's me. Let me tell you what happened. No. Jesus begins to talk with them and help them to understand what actually happened in history. The only authoritative interpretation of the resurrection comes from the mouth of Jesus Christ himself. This is not a mythology. This is not a good story. We have seen someone come alive. And Jesus proceeds to teach them all the things from scripture about what was supposed to happen from Genesis all the way through Malachi. Do you not know that Moses was teaching about me? Do you not understand the prophets were teaching about me? Do you not yet understand that the purpose of the Old Testament, the purpose of the people of Israel, was to show you that I had to come. I had to suffer. I had to die. And I had to be raised again. Are your hearts still so dull to see what has happened in history? 
we ourselves as God's people have to know our history. We have to know who we came from in order to know who we are. To be able to sort of ask the question, who am I? Without delving into who am I in relationship with the people around me, but also who am I in relationship to the history that's gone before me is foolhardy. Many of you have heard the stories of your parents and grandparents. Your history, your Korean history, your Chinese history, your Filipino history. You've heard the sufferings of previous generations. And you know that even though you didn't experience it yourself, you are a product of that. God's history does the same for you and me. You see, one thing I want you to consider, which Jesus did here, is that Jesus didn't come out right away and simply say to you, listen, you need to repent and believe that I am the Messiah, that I'm here to save you. It's all true. But he takes a different tactic here, does he not? He speaks to them about who they are, what their history is, why it's important for them to understand who, G, who he is, and in light of that, who they, who they are as well. And so for us as God's people, we need to know what it means to be a child of Abraham. We need to see the past sins of our forefathers and foremothers who went before us. We need to see the failures of Israel. We need to see that the disciples themselves were dim-witted and yet God's grace towards them. And for those of you here who are, who are seeking God, I would, I would ask you, look at just human history. And where human history has been, where it's going. We live in a time and age where we have forgotten our moral bearings. We're going to a place right now where truth becomes something of a of a gimmick. There is no truth. There is only sort of what you want to hear, what you and what you want to believe. You probably find yourself doing this too. You, you find yourself agreeing with people that you like and disagree with people that you don't like, regardless of what comes out of their mouth. They could say the same thing. We have forgotten to stand back and look at what is true and have to move forward in the true things and the true nature of the way things are to do what is good in this world. And right now we might think, you know, we've got it all under control, but, you know, if we keep following this road, all of us know that it just leads to chaos. 
and we look at history, we look at the wars before us, we see there are always people who have abused their power and abused their responsibility. And Jesus tells us, and Scripture tells us, that that's because that's the human condition. That's human nature. That education can't solve this. That wealth can't solve this. But that the human heart needs to be changed. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to cut off this downward trajectory of world history. Jesus came to, to cut off what looked like an inevitability that all of us would be punished one day by God's wrath. He came to cut that off and to give us hope. For his resurrection signals very simply that death no longer has its sting, that death no longer is the end of human history. Wars ending in death, people dying, us and the whole world spiritually dying with no hope. That Christ came to cut that And it's remarkable. Do we not want to live forever? And do we not want to live forever? Not with our depressions, not with our anxieties, but live forever in joy and in peace. God's been gracious to you. For those of you here who, who know Jesus, you've had those moments when the peace of God just has um, filled you. And even though the world's crazy around you, you're like, I know who I am. And even for those of us here who are, who are still wrestling with whether or not this Jesus person is real, God's been gracious to you because I know there's been times in your life where God's shown you simply the beauty of all the creation. And you stood and you go, this is what life should be. God is saying to you, your hearts are burning. Your hearts are burning. And that Christ has come to take away a living death in this world for you to live life fully in him. He's come to recognize that burning in your heart and to give himself to you. Our own history here, Paul is, sorry, Jesus is walking with them and then they invite him to stay and he comes and he sits and he has a meal with them and they didn't know what was going on until the breaking of the bread and when they broke the bread they recognized who he was that he was Jesus the Christ 
And then Jesus, he, he disappears. Man, what, what nerve of him, right? Just disappearing like that. But he just disappears. And they remembered him in the breaking of the bread. There's one thing that Jesus does for us all the time. Jesus always draws near to his people. And he shows himself in the intimacy of our own moments. Why do I say that? If we look at scripture, anytime Jesus has a meal with someone, it is a sign of intimacy, a sign of love, a sign of humility. It's different nowadays. We just eat to eat. To eat with someone meant to have fellowship with that person. To eat with someone was meant, meant to be in their inner sanctum together. Jesus eats with them, breaks the bread, and they recognize him. This is our Lord, and this is our Savior. brothers and sisters in Christ. For us, we need to meet the Lord in a very simple place. He has given us his inner sanctum already. When we read scripture with God, we are eating with him. When we are deep in prayer with him, we are proclaiming that God hears us, is near to us. And it's in that that we apply the history of what's going on to in our lives. But for all of us, when you're going through trials, when you're going through difficulties in your life, when things get really hard, and you think that no one can help, no one can hear you, no one can understand. God will draw near to you if you draw near to him. And God will show you as well that that change in history when he rose again from the dead to bring life to all who believe in him, that same life will give to you. Praise the Lord that we are not a people without hope. Praise the Lord that Jesus is not in the grave still. Praise the Lord that this was not a, a, just a simple joke in all of humanity. Praise the Lord that he is risen. Praise the Lord that we have hope. Praise the Lord that he will return. Praise the Lord that we have life, life, life everlasting. Praise that Lord, Lord that that life everlasting has already seeped into our lives here today. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We ask of you, Lord God, to teach us to hear your voice through your scriptures, to hear your voice through the world around us, and to hear your voice in our hearts as well, Lord God.
and lead us to you, Lord. Lead us not to anything else. Lead us to you, Lord God, for you are the only one who has words of hope. You are the only one who's conquered death. Everyone talks about conquering death. Everyone talks about helping, but you are the only one who's done it. And so we come to you, and we ask of you, Lord, to bring us hope and joy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.